Amen. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 this morning, and because today is Mother's Day, our kids will stay with us in worship today. That's one of our uh, traditions of sorts. We want the family to be together for Mother's Day today. One of the, one of, in fact, my very first point, I was going to say one of the first points, my, my very first point this morning is going to use the word enrich, okay? I'm using the word enrich, and uh, as I was thinking about this particular point and thinking on what it means for something to be enriched this week, I, I looked up just a simple definition of the word enriched. And the word enriched means to improve the quality of something by adding something else. Uh, similar words would be enhance, improve, or endow. To improve the quality of something by adding something else. And today being Mother's Day, I, I, I can't think of a better description for our moms. That they improve the quality of our lives by adding just all that they bring to them. Their touch as, as moms. Their, uh, all all the, the specialness that moms have for us in our, in our lives. And, and I want to take a moment just to recognize uh, our, our mothers today. So if you are a mother, we would ask that you would stand now and let us celebrate you. Let us honor you this morning on Mother's Day. Our lives are most certainly enriched by you. And and even in my own life, in a personal way, I know that my life is greatly enriched by my wife, Rayleigh, and all that she brings uh, to our family. And so we want to celebrate you on Mother's Day. But we also want to recognize that Mother's Day, for all of its joy and for all of its, uh, all of its specialness and the celebration uh, of mom, Mother's Day can also be a difficult day. It, it can be a difficult day if you have lost your mother and, and you are, you're missing her uh, perhaps more greatly today than, than other days. Or, or maybe if you have um, a broken or a, uh, a difficult relationship with your mother, then today can, be, can, can bring up a lot of painful memories of, of things of the past as well. And for some who desire to be mothers, but the Lord has yet to, uh, to, to open that door and, and, and give them the desire of their heart, today can be a day that, that is a painful reminder of the, the deep-seated desire that they have and, and that sense that, that it's just not, things have not come to pass yet. And we also want to recognize that today, that for all of its joy and all of, uh, all of the, the great things about Mother's Day, Mother's Day can be a difficult day as well. And if you're here today and you are hurting or, or just, the, just Mother's Day just in, in many ways maybe is emotionally difficult for you, we want to we acknowledge that as well and, and just let you know that we, we're praying for you. Even as we've been leading up to today, as I've been thinking about today, I've been praying for those that might be here that today, would be a that today is a difficult day for them, that God would just minister to you in a special way with His Holy Spirit today. And, and we want you to know that our, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And even during our invitation time today, um, we would encourage you. Let us pray with you. Let us stand beside you and pray with you as well as our altar is open and, and we're, uh, we're moving and in prayer there in the time of invitation today, we would encourage you that if, if the Lord moves, you would let us pray with you, okay? Romans chapter 8. I want to begin by reading verses 
5 and, and, and following this morning. And as we do this, I want us to consider this, how this passage teaches us that our lives are enriched by the Holy Spirit. Remember, I said to, to be enriched means that you improve the quality of something by adding something else to it. And what we see is that our lives are improved, or the quality of our lives are improved, enriched by the Holy Spirit that is given to us through faith in Christ. And we've studied, of course, over the last few weeks how the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal, as a guarantee, uh, guaranteeing our, our salvation because of our faith in Jesus. It's given to us at the moment that we believe in Christ. And that Holy Spirit presence in us gives us life from death, gives us uh, gives us a sense of direction and, and helps us experience the very movement of God in a, in a very tangible, real way we see in Romans chapter 8. So let's start reading together in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And so we see in this text this morning that our lives are enriched by life in the Spirit. We are enriched by life in the Spirit. The, 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 very, the very quantity of our lives, and we might even say the, the quality of our lives, everything about our lives is enriched by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the truth is that we are all controlled by something. And this passage tells us that if we have trusted in Christ by faith, that now our lives are controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're all controlled by something. Do you remember days prior to uh, remote controls. You know, everything nowadays has a remote control, right? And even if you don't have a remote control for something, there's, there's probably an app on your phone that will turn your phone into a remote control for that, right? You can, you can do that with computers and TVs and radios and Apple TVs and on and on and on. There are, there are remote controls for everything these days. I remember as a kid in the uh, in the, the days of old, right? In the old times, in the time before the, the invention or at least the popularity of the remote control, when you actually had to get up 
to go turn the dial, right? If you wanted to switch to a different TV channel, you had to get up and you had to go turn the channel. Uh, or or you, if you wanted to, to put it on a, a new radio station, you, you couldn't use the little remote, you know, uh, at your fingertips on your steering wheel. You had to reach over and turn the dial, right? And, uh, and the remote controls have changed life for us in so many ways because it's made things easier. In fact, I remember the very first remote control that I, that I ever knew anything about was a remote control on my grandparents' TV. My grandparents had a Zenith TV, and it had a remote control, which was like this brick box with a button that would go up and a button that would go down, and that was it, right? You could go one way or the You couldn't adjust the volume or anything else. That came later, but you could just go up and you could go down with this remote control, and, and I remember that was kind of special when you would go to grandma and grandpa's house, and you could sit in the chair, and you didn't have to get up to go change the channel, and you would just click through, you know, like the five channels that there were on TV to find something unlike the hundreds of channels that we have today. What this passage teaches us is that our lives are controlled by something. We're all controlled by something. And you may think to yourself, well, not me. I'm not controlled. There's nothing else. I, I control me. But, okay, I would ask the question, well, what is it inside of you motivating your desires, your wants? There's something inside of you. Even if you would say, I don't want to be controlled by God. I don't want to be controlled by the influence of another substance or another person or another thing. I'm going to be in charge of me. I'm my own boss. The truth is something informs your desires. Something informs your, your wants and what you feel like are your needs. And whatever those things are, that what that is what is controlling us. And so in this passage, Paul is teaching that we are controlled by something. Without Christ, he says, we are controlled by the flesh, leaving us destined for death. So prior to faith in Jesus Christ, our lives are controlled by the flesh. Now, this word flesh here is, is speaking of the, the, the corrupt human nature that we all have, right? The, the sin nature that is born in us. He's not talking about our literal physical flesh, but he, in, in speaking of our flesh, he's talking about our, our personal, selfishly motivated wants, that, that human nature that we have, that sin nature. And he equates the flesh here with death. And he talks about how prior to faith in Christ, we were controlled by the flesh. And in fact, he says... Uh, in, in verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Go to verse 6. Or to set the mind on the flesh is death. And verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are controlled by the flesh cannot please God. So the flesh here is equated with death. It is rebellion against God. The, the word hostile here or enmity is used, meaning that it, the hostility that we have, the sinful nature, puts us at odds with God. It makes us enemies with God. The word controlled here uh, literally means habitually dominated. So read it this way. In, there, there's a, there's a, a, a book that I use that's called Woost's Word Studies of the Greek New Testament. You really, it's great reading. You know, it'll put you to sleep like that. But it's a, a study book that I use when I'm studying. And Woost is a great 
uh, resource for studying the original languages because it, it highlights certain words that are of particular importance. And this word here, this word controlled, it says could also be translated as habitually dominated. So let's read it that way. Those who live habitually dominated by the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are habitually dominated by the flesh have death. The mind that is set on the flesh, the mind that is habitually dominated by the flesh is hostile to God. The idea here is that if our lives are controlled by the flesh because we are not surrendered to the lordship of Christ, if we, are, if we are led by, dominated by, controlled by the flesh, ultimately the end for us is death. And yes, it may mean physical death because ultimately it does lead to a physical death, but he's also speaking of spiritual death in this sense. There is no life, there is no peace, there is no joy when we are living in rebellion against God, instead being surrendered to our own fleshly human desires. What we need, rather, is to be surrendered to Christ and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So without Christ, we're controlled by the flesh, leaving us destined for death. And through Christ, he teaches we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, and we experience life and peace. So through the work of Christ in our lives, now we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, because we have trusted in Jesus by faith. And we are given this promise, the Holy Spirit as a, as a seal, as a guarantee. And because of the Holy Spirit, now we know life. So if we could equate flesh with death, then we need to equate the Spirit with life, because that's what he's teaching in this passage as well. That because of the Holy Spirit, we experience the life that God has for us. Verses 10 through 13 teach that spiritual teach that we can have spiritual life through the holy spirit right if you read these verses that we have life right if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's telling us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that enabled him to conquer sin and death is alive in us through his Holy Spirit to give life to us because we've trusted in him. And so we have spiritual life in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, which is evidence of our adoption as children of, of God. The spiritual life that we have is evidence of our spiritual inheritance or our spiritual adoption. He speaks of that here in verses 14 through 17. That all who are led by the Spirit are sons, or we could say rightly, sons and daughters. That's a, uh, an inclusive term. Are sons of God. For we didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba literally would be like us saying, Daddy. That, that because, of, because of our faith in Christ, we have been adopted into the, the family of God. We are now sons and daughters of God through faith, and we receive the Holy Spirit through whom we cry out, 
Abba, Father, Daddy. We have a personal, intimate relationship with God by faith. And His Holy Spirit is given to us that we may know Him. And so spiritual life is evidence of spiritual uh, adoption or spiritual inheritance in us, which produces spiritual mindedness in us. It's important that we understand this passage is teaching that the Spirit's present, the Holy Spirit's presence in our life is evidence of our position in Christ. So we would say the Spirit's presence is evidence of a person's profession of faith or their position in Christ. Verses 5 through 8. Teach us this, the spiritual mindedness, right? That by faith in Christ, our, our minds are transformed to no longer live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. Our minds captivated by, focused on the Spirit. And, and verse 9 is, is sort of a, a hinge. All of this swings on the important truth that we see in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, The Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So the all-important key for us to know is that by faith in Christ, when we trust in Him, we are adopted in as sons and daughters. And now we are given the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role, if you will, in our lives. The Holy Spirit's work in us is to point us Toward Christ is to lead us to know Him in an intimate relationship. And through Christ, we are connected to the Father, the, the bridge of sorts that, that, that gets us from where we are in sin to a, a personal relationship with God is the cross of Jesus, which spans that gap because He laid down His life for us. Practically speaking, though, right? Practically speaking, we might ask, how do we do this? Okay, so we understand in theory what's happening here. In theory, we understand that by faith in Christ, we're given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers us, that we are to live in in faith, that we are to have spiritual life through walking with the Spirit. But I mean, practically speaking, how can you do this? And and I want to say this, that you cannot artificially manufacture this kind of life that Paul is writing about here. You can, you can dress everything up on the outside and you, can, and you can do your best to look like you've got everything together and you've got, you, you've got it all, you know, you, you, you know everything that you need to know. You've got everything in order in your life and everything is good. But the truth is what, what he's really talking about here, the life, the life that we can have through the Holy Spirit working in us by faith in Christ That's not something that you and I can manufacture. It's something that comes. It is a direct byproduct of the Holy Spirit's presence in us as believers. By faith in Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit does in us what we cannot do on our own. Does for us what we could not do for ourselves. Leads us in a way that we would experience life and peace in a way that we cannot know on our own. And I would point to verse 14, which I think is also pivotal in our understanding. Because it says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
So you want to know, how do I have the Holy Spirit? How do I experience this? How do I, how do I live with this life? You need to, first of all, you, you need to answer the all-important question. Have you trusted in Jesus by faith? Because that is the point at which life begins for us. Which is why, of course, Jesus himself describes this in John chapter 3, this process of trusting in him and receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus describes it as being born again, as he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We are born again into a new life through faith in Jesus, and we are given the Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us, so that we can experience this life, this joy, this peace that comes through the Holy Spirit. The, the, the stark reality that this text teaches us is, is this truth. It's very black and white. Either you have it or you don't. It's not something that you can manufacture through emotionalism or through some form of spiritual activity. You don't follow a certain set of rules. You don't seek it and, 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 and ask for it. And, 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 and if you're not seeking hard enough, you, you just haven't got it yet. The, the reality is either you have the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus or you don't. And if you have the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ... And everyone who comes to faith in Christ has the Holy Spirit. Then now you have everything you need to experience life in Him. And that comes as a process of surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to listen to and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit in us. You may say, well, okay, well, how do I do that? Verse 16 tells us, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Literally what this is teaching is the Holy Spirit will prompt you in those ways. How do I, then, how do I, how do I know? How, then you follow the, the, the leading uh, inwardly, right? The, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know, all of us who are, who are Christians know, that we can become so calloused to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that it becomes difficult. So, so are our lives so marred by sin, so, so clouded, our, our judgment and our discernment, so clouded by sin and the effects of sin in our hearts that the voice of God seems so quiet or so distant somehow. But if we will learn to listen to that voice and submit to the voice of the Holy Spirit in us, the prompting of the Holy Spirit that we have by faith in Jesus. Then it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. And so we didn't receive a spirit of fear that we would fall back into our old ways, but a spirit of adoption. We have been claimed by Christ as his own because he gave us the Holy Spirit as that seal, that mark that guarantees our salvation. And our lives are enriched by his work improved, made better by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, leading us away from the flesh and to experience life in the Spirit. That's what Paul is teaching here. Secondly, and also importantly in this passage, we see that, we can, that we, all of this is empowered by intercession from the Son. Okay? Let's, let's point to this, okay? Because it talks here about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and also uh, that it, it, it points us to the fact that, that Christ himself is interceding for us because it's the right hand of God. And so let's skip to verse 26. 
Verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You may say, how do I, how do I know? How, I'm still struggling with, how do I, how, here's the key. You follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to help you in your weakness. I know that sounds, in a way, mystical. I know that sounds, in a way, uh, uh, intangible, difficult to grasp somehow. And I'll confess, in all honesty, it can be, right? Because it's not as concrete as we would like things to be. We, we'd love for everything to be black and white, yes and no, right or wrong, right? We want rules to follow. But this passage, the, the section we've skipped, talks about how we, we are no longer under the, the bondage of the law. In fact, we were incapable to keep the law. Instead, we have been set free from that, and we have been given new life in Christ, new hope in Christ by faith. So although we want the, the black and white of the law, the law won't do it for us. What we need is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, which is granted to us by faith. All right, back in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. Have you ever felt like, I don't know, I don't know what to do? Well, the good news is you're not alone because the Holy Spirit is working on your behalf. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so, we, we have now the work of the Holy Spirit interceding for us on our behalf. And it, it also points later in this passage, by the way, to the fact that, that the Holy Spirit is interceding through Christ to the Father. And so it's the intercession of the Holy Spirit to the Son and the Son work at the right hand of the Father that all of this works together. And, and because of that, we, we can experience His life at work in us. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The reality is that we tend to overlook just how important this really is, that the Holy Spirit intercedes. And so Jesus, in his own description of the work of the Holy Spirit in John, Jesus uses the word paraclete in the Greek, which is a legal term. It's talking about someone who is an advocate or a representative. In John chapter 14, we see that in the ESV, that word is, is translated to be the helper. So the helper, the advocate, the representative, it's, a, it's a, sort of like a lawyer. It's a legal type of term that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget when I was 16 years old, I got my first speeding ticket. I say first, it's my only speeding ticket. The only, the only uh, ticket I've ever gotten, I got when I was 16 years old. And I, I came home, it was late one night, and I had been out with some friends, and I came home, and I was just going too fast on the way home, and, and of course got, got caught and, and received a ticket for that. And I came home and told my parents about that and explained why I was late, and I'd missed curfew because I'd been pulled over and gotten a ticket. And my parents, I, I expected that they were just going to be really mad, right? They were going to be furious with me. And, and they, they weren't happy about it, but they, they were pretty calm. They held it together pretty well. And, and they just said, all right, well, this is, a, this is you know, your problem. You've made the mistake. And you've, you've, uh, you're the one that was speeding, so you're going to have to deal with this. And they left me on my own at 16 to figure out what am I going to do. I had to 
figure out when I was supposed to appear in court. I had to go and appear in, you know, in, in court by myself and, and go through all those steps. And that was a really good lesson for me in, in growing up and having to take some responsibility for my actions and those things. And so here I am in this, in this courtroom, and, and I'm about to appear before the judge, and they're calling everybody up one by one. And there was there was a representative, right? There was a lawyer who was there, and his job was just to see each person prior to standing before the judge and just to have a brief moment to them to explain, okay, here are your options. This, this is what you can do. You can, you can say, you know, that, I, that I'm guilty. You can plead no contest. You can plead innocent to this. You, you, here are your options, and he's, wet, he's walking you through all of it. He was my, my advocate in that sense, right? My, my helper, because I had no clue what I was doing. At 16 years old, I was luckily, lucky that I found the, the right room to be in, right? I mean, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And, and that, that understanding of the person who is working on your behalf, the person who is your advocate, so to speak, the person who is your representative, that's the language that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is working on our behalf. Now think about how significant that is. Because if you've been in the church at any time at all, we hear that and we tend to think, yeah, he does. Think about that. The God of the universe, through the work of the Holy Spirit, which is a part of the God, our understanding, part of the Godhead, our understanding of the, of the Trinity. The God of the universe dwells with us and is working on our behalf so that when God looks at us, what he sees is a child of righteousness by faith. We are children of God. And that same, that same God who loved us, who gave himself for us, now intercedes on our behalf, now works on our behalf. He's praying for us. He's working for us that we might know and do the will of God. This is incredible. And it's so important that we understand this. Let's keep reading in verse, uh, verse 27. He, he tells us again, He who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so this intercession on behalf of the Spirit for us empowers us to know and do the will of God. How can we experience life? We experience life by doing the will of God. We experience life by no longer walking in the ways of our sinful, fallen desires, by no longer giving in to the desires of the flesh, but instead by walking according to the Spirit and experiencing the, the, the power that the Holy Spirit provides that we would know and do the will of God. So life comes through living in the will of God. How are we to know the will of God? How are we to do the will of God? Because God has given us His Holy Spirit to be with us so that we would both know and do His will. It says here, searches, He searches our hearts, knows what is the mind of God, right? Uh, no, excuse me, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, rather, and intercedes for saints, that's us, according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us to know the will of God. But it's not, it's not just for the sake of knowledge. He doesn't do all of this so that we might know it in the sense that we, that we understand it or we mentally, uh, that we mentally grasp it. But it, it, it's more than that. It's that we would actually do the will of God. So we experience life by walking in the will of God. And we are able to do that 
Because His Holy Spirit empowers us through His intercession, empowers us to know and do His will. This is so important for us to understand. Because what happens is, so much of the time, we, we go back to what we, our default, what we know, which is rules. If I do these certain things, right, if I, if I come to church every Sunday, and if I uh, make sure that I'm in Sunday school, and if I give my tithe, and if I, you know, uh, listen to Caleb, and if I make sure that I don't cuss, and, 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 and I, you know, sin a little bit less than I used to, and we want to turn everything about our faith into the do's and don'ts. Now, hear me. The truth is, as we walk in the Spirit, there's going to be lots of do's and don'ts. Do this, and you'll have life. Don't do that so that you won't give in to the will of the flesh. But we need not make it about following the law somehow. This new uh, Christ-centered version of the do's and don'ts. But instead, it's by being surrendered to Him that He gives us everything that we need through His intercession for us to know and do His will. We have to listen to and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why it's so important that we understand that if you are a believer in Christ, you have been given the Holy Spirit by faith in Him. And the Holy Spirit's role is to intercede on your behalf, to, to lead you back to Christ so that you may know and do the will of God. So we're enriched by life in the Spirit, empowered by His intercession for us. Today, in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of response. And if you're here this morning and you recognize that maybe, maybe you've wrestled in the past with this understanding, am I, am I really a child of God? I mean, am, am I really His? I, I don't know that I've ever heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've ever felt that inner prompting that you're talking about. Then maybe today, maybe what all of this is leading you to is to wrestle with this important question. Have you ever really trusted in Jesus by faith? That's not something I can answer for you. I can't say to you, yes, you've done this, or no, you haven't, because ultimately, that's between you and God. But I know this. I know that the text teaches us, the, the Word teaches us, that if you have trusted in Christ by faith, you will be given the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, that His role is to, is to intercede for you, is to communicate with you, is to work on your behalf, to prompt your heart, in your weakness even, to lead you in the right direction. So today, if, if, you, if you're wrestling, then what would keep you from nailing it down today by faith that you would trust in Jesus you would be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you know you've trusted in Christ and you know you, you've been led, you've felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but just, just through uh, habitual domination of the flesh, right? Just through giving in to the, to the flesh and being controlled by the flesh. Maybe God seems distant. Maybe, he seems, maybe his voice seems quieter than it used to be and he seems distant and further away than, than he's been. Can I tell you? God's not the one that's moved. He's right where he's always been. His Holy Spirit living inside of you. But you and I can distance ourselves, so to speak. We can, we can essentially just quit listening. And what we need today 
is to surrender to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to surrender to his will, that we would know and do the will of God. Today, if you want to be surrendered to him, I, I would encourage you that you would come forward during our invitation. You can use the altar for prayer here. You can come to our staff. We're ready to receive you as well today and pray with you and pray for you as you are surrendering your control of your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what's at stake for you in all of this. Life itself. Because, remember, he said that the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, and it cannot please God. But the, the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. If you want to know life and peace, then it comes through being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? God.